We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience. Today, 2020 fantasy football rankings update, NFL news, injuries, training camp reports. I'd say preseason, but there is no preseason. And listen, we're finally getting down to the time where people are taking fantasy football and football seriously again. It's happening, and it's coming very soon, two weeks away. My rankings you can find in the description of this video or podcast and up on DKPlaybook.com if you want to go the long route to get there. Why wouldn't I Why would I want to click on one link that brings me there when I can click on 80 different links and then go find it? You don't want to do that. Just click on the link. Uh, and they are updated to this moment. Well, not to this moment. I'm going to speak with Jake Seeley from TheAthletic.com. We're going to update the old rankings because it's time to get it going. There's a lot of impactful injury news that we haven't gone over yet from the very top of the board, which, I mean, if you were drafting this week, I'm actually doing my main draft the Wednesday the day before the season actually starts just so there's no like wiggle room and we added two extra bench bench spots this season as well to try to preemptively get ahead of what could happen maybe nothing happens maybe everything goes great I hope that's the case but if not I want to have a contingency plan in place you are now watching this if you're watching the video version on Mayo Media Network this is where the Pat Mayo experience will live from now on so please subscribe to the Mayo Media Network. I mean, even if you're listening to the audio podcast on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever, please go subscribe. It takes If you have a Gmail account, it takes like three seconds. So please go do that. We're doing some giveaways. So smash the like button to the episode and in the comment section, tell me where you are drafting. Overall, Kenyon Drake right now, if the draft was today, because I'm very curious to know what the perception is on Kenyon Drake at the moment, because we don't have all of the information. So you'd have to make a calculated guess now, wouldn't you? More so than you would normally drafting fantasy football players. But if we can get to 6,000 subs for Mayo Media Network by Thursday morning, we got a lot of giveaways. We've got video games to give away. We have fantasy national golf memberships to give away. If we can get to 10,000, by next Monday, I got cash giveaways for people. So 
like the episodes, comment on the episodes, rate the podcast, share it around on social media. We get up to 10K. Some of you out there might be getting a nice Venmo or PayPal from Mayo Media Network because I'm bribing people to subscribe to the channel. Jake Seeley from theathletic.com is on the line. What's up? Uh, what's going on? Yeah, hey, look, I've already taken care of my uh, sub and following on Twitter and everything like that. Although I will tell you one thing, Pat. I broed somebody for, I think, might be the first time ever. I already got a, who do I start in week one in the rankings questions? That's amazing. I don't even know who to draft it's, right now, let alone who to start two, week one. <laughs> two days ago, and we updated the cheat sheets in the rankings, and because I've been updating mostly uh, Sundays and Fridays, and now I have to update today for some injury news and stuff. But anyway, yeah, I got that was one of the most recent questions. I just put bro. I just, like, I'm, I can't even. I like how you're dropping bros on people now. I enjoy this very much. Again, at All One Kid on Twitter for Jake Seeley at the PME for myself. Also, Jake, get this. I saw uh, Brad Evans from Fade the Noise tweet this out. Uh, he said it would take like the lowest depths of hell for him to ever go on to Cameo for private messages. And I saw that. I was like, <laughs> I'd do that. I'm on Cameo now. So if you go to cameo.com slash the PME, you can get me to make a shit talking vision video for you. You got a question you can ask me up there. Whatever. How much? It's 25 bucks. So you know, you can, okay. people got 25 bucks to throw around. Not everyone, but some <laughs> people who watch this show, show I'm surely they, they have money to lose on golf bets every week. They can pay for a $25 cameo. And I don't want to do a thousand of them, but you want me to read your draft order off. I'm in on that. You got a question. You want me too. Like I said, shit talk. One of your league mates up there. Cameo.com slash the PME. I hope to have some fun with it. Uh, I, I hope you do too. I actually, I, I envy you. I'm going to look for, can you, can you share them if you do them for somebody else? Like, can I see what you did for somebody else? I actually have no idea. I just signed up. So I don't know really what the, <laughs> I was going to say, cause I want to see, like, I would do it, but I can't, I, I don't want to risk my job. <laughs> so like, that's my only concern. Yeah, see, when you work for yourself with Mayo Media Network, I can't fire me. I can be canceled, <laughs> but I, I can't fire myself. <laughs> oh, gosh. That, that, I, I want to see these. I Hopefully, somebody tell us. There you go. In the comments, tell us if we can see other people's cameos that you do for them. All right. Let's jump in to Ligue Nationale Football. It's coming back, like I said, in 14 days. We'll have first kickoff with the Texans and the Chiefs. We got fantasy drafts to do, and we got a bunch of injury news to run through and how this affects everything. I haven't talked to you yet about Miles Sanders. What's your level of concern on Sanders right now? It's very, very mild, like one or two out of 10 for right now. This one legitimately does sound like they're just playing it safe. And it's just, look, we know what Miles Sanders can be. You and I talk about this most every offseason we've done so far and say, when it comes down to a running back, that's the quote unquote bell cow, the heavy lead, whatever. I'd actually just prefer they don't play the preseason unless it's like a rookie or something like that, or somebody switching teams because just get to week one and be healthy. That's all we care about. We, we don't want these top 12 ish running backs getting hurt in the preseason. So this one, he's not in a boot. Like we're probably about to talk about the other guy. Uh, like everything sounds fine. It's just being safe. And here's the good news, Pat. They haven't signed anybody. That would have concerned me if they signed somebody, but they haven't even signed anybody. I don't even think they've been reported as bringing anybody in. Uh, I moved Miles Sanders to number nine in my overall rankings. That's one spot behind Delvin Cook, one spot ahead of Julio Jones. So that's where he will be populated on the top 200 list in my rankings. Kenyon Drake is the other guy you mentioned. He is in a walking boot. They're just calling it Nicks and Dings right now. Walking boot doesn't sound great, though, for a guy I want to draft at the back end of the first round or in the second round. At a 10, what's the concern? Hmm. 
So I would say now it's probably like a five or six for me, as we've talked about it, Kenyon Drake before is Kenyon Drake for me was always somebody I didn't love having as an RB one. So I fortunately have zero shares of them and I'll be like, Oh, look at me, victory lap. And like, I just was concerned. So fortunately for me, Kenyon Drake was already, and that's why I'm talking about is because he was already a concern from his variance game to game. He was essentially Deshaun Jackson, Amari Cooper, not last year's Amari Cooper, but years ago. Actually, here's the best one. The one that you and I both love to hate on all the time. He's Jared Cook. It was three games, 60% of his fantasy season. Of course, I think he can flatten that out and be better off the course of 16 games with the Arizona Cardinals. But I still thought there's a potential for that variance where most of the other running backs going inside the top 10 have a few bad games. It's not that much of a roller coaster. So this just amps that factor is, you know, if he's going to be dealing with this for the first couple of weeks, does Edmonds look good, show well? He's already been talked up by Kingsbury that all of a sudden, Kenyon Drake goes from being 70% of the touches to the entire season only being 60 to keep him healthy and but also get Edmonds involved because he looks so good. Yeah, Chase Edmonds appears to be a fantastic pick in like the 12th round if you can get him down there. Just not someone you'd ever like start even as a flex, but could really get into this role. And maybe we'll see how he's used in this offense. I've moved Drake down in the rankings to number yes. 14. So Sanders, running back? No, I, overall. Come on now. I mean, I'm still thinking ahead of like Nick Chubb and Jake, Josh Jacobs. Oh, see. Those losers. No, I'm not because I have my running am. back 14. That's funny. That's funny that you said that. I thought you were saying running back 14 because I would take Aaron Jones, Josh Jacobs, Eckler, Chubb, Mixon, Sand. Like I will take all those guys ahead of the risk of he's in a boot. When was the last time a boot was truly precautionary and everything was 100% fine? I know, we still got two weeks to go. If he's out of the boot by next week, then we're, then we're fine. I'm going to pretend like that's the case. Cliff Kingsbury did say just some normal nicks and bruises, normal camp yeah, stuff. Because coaches of, are always 100% it's, it's truthful. kind of precautionary with him knowing what he'll be able to do. But yeah, sure. I, I, I'm curious to see how this goes. If I'm drafting, I'm still taking the chance on him, but I did move him significantly down from where I had him. Like I moved Kelsey ahead of him just because I... Talking myself back into Kelsey is the, like the, the swing pick at the end of the first round again. Talking, whoa, 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 talking yourself back. You've been pro Kelsey for like your entire life. I agree, but like I had him, I think when I initially did the rankings, I had him at 18. He's up to 13 now. Uh, I'm just, okay. I, I, I have him in every league that I've drafted so far. So, How is I mean, Kelsey not 101 for you? <laughs> I, don't, I would not take him at 101. 102, maybe you can talk me into it, but like. I, I have Mixon ahead of him. I have Clyde Edwards Hilaire ahead of him, but I still have Drake ahead of Fournette, Chubb. Eckler, Gurley. Yeah. I don't even have the rest of the running backs. Either. Well, I have him ahead of, ahead of Gurley, but I, na I named all the guys that I would now take. I, I, and that's the thing. Is I didn't love him as a top 10 running back to begin with. And now this uncertainty, if I'm drafting this week, and of course, as you said, if he's out of the boot next week, or if he's out of the boot by the time you draft, you can move him back up, and I will move him back up kind of begrudgingly. But if I'm drafting right now, I'm going to avoid that risk, and I would feel better about Josh Jacobs and Aaron Jones. And I have concerns about Aaron Jones, as you know. Uh, can I ask you a question? I don't want to pull a Jeff on you and you yell at me because I'm trying to ask you. Were you going to bring up Dalvin Cook at all? I was. That that was actually the okay. next the next news item, okay. item up. That if his contract is not in place by week one, what do we actually expect is going to happen with Dalvin Cook? These were the concerns that we had three months ago, and then the concerns went away, and now they're back. 
Well, they went away because if he completely holds out, he's just a restricted free agent. And so he's still stuck. Like he's not going anywhere. So it seemed like he got the sense of, Hey, look, I'm going to have to play anyway. So what's the point of capping off half my season, even if I'm not back with it. And I'm kind of giving narrative to like what the thought process would be is, you know, a full game season of or full season of my work is going to look better for my potential contract, not with the Vikings than if I hold out and people have the assumption that they did with Le'Veon Bell because Le'Veon Bell's contract was still solid, but it was not what he was aiming for. So that's the narrative you create for Dalvin Cook saying, Hey, you know, I'm just going to be out there for week one. When Adam Schefter comes out and says that and says that if he's playing in this fantasy league, which he does, that he would be hesitant about taking them, it makes you kind of double take. You mentioned that you have him further down. Right now I have Dalvin Cook. If I knew he was ready for week one, he was going to play the season. I actually have him in half point and full point PPR just in front of Zeke because I do think Zeke's late season usage in the passing game and decline overall kind of knocks him right behind him. But as of today, I think that you kind of have to put Dalvin Cook late first round, maybe early second. Like I, and I'm not going to argue against you is what I'm saying. It's like, I understand the risk because if we do get to week one and he pulls at least the Le'Veon Bell or Melvin Gordon, and he's out for eight games just to get that contract where he's not a restricted free agent. I mean, that that's a, that's a killer to take in the first round and have that happen to you in, in the first week. Yeah. And there's other guys. The, the problem is, is that once you get past like the first five picks or so, like cook would be in that class with the high end running backs that everyone's taking at the beginning of drafts. If all things being equal, all things are not equal. So he starts slipping down that, at the same time, if right. you have pick 11 and Cook is there, you probably take him, but you you do right. still run that risk. And here's the other problem, which I'm saying you don't even need to take him there is because now you know you're going to put in the back of your mind, I need to go get Madison. Oh, and God. now you're reaching on Madison potentially a round or two earlier where he's already going to go now higher than he was going two weeks ago because of this news. And somebody else is going to do what you and I do a lot and you love to do more than anybody is go take other people's handcuffs uh, somebody's going to be thinking that, and then you're going to say, oh, I got to get Madison in what, the sixth? Basically like around Kareem Hunt now. And that's just, that's the downside of taking Cook is now you have to back that up or build ridiculous running back depth, which still kind of hamstrings your ability later on in the draft. Turns out Mike Williams cannot stay healthy. So does this make, I was, I was trying to parse this out in my mind of how to attack the Chargers from a fantasy perspective this year. And I'm starting to think that Keenan Allen might be the most undervalued player in all of fantasy football. I am nodding my head in agreement. I have a lot of Keenan Allen. I'm frustrated that this kind of ruins the value that we're going to get on Keenan Allen. But I did have a fair share of Mike Williams, too, because Mike Williams last year was going to have a, a, a crazy positive touchdown regression for the fact of only scoring two touchdowns if he only repeated what he did. The good thing about this is if you look at Tyrod Taylor back with the Bills back in the day, he, Sammy Watkins was good with him. Charles Clay was a thing for two years. And Hunter Henry's significantly better than Charles Clay as a talent. Uh, I think that people were too low on Hunter Henry as a whole. I think they're too low on this entire offense as a whole because they're so concerned about Tyrod Taylor and potentially Justin Herbert, where Philip Rivers is coming off one of his worst years to date. Uh, just his efficiency in the end zone, red zone targets were extremely poor. So I don't think that there was going to be anything where there's going to be a massive drop off with this. Mike Williams injury is now you take the concerns of, well, he's splitting it up to Austin Eckler and three potential weapons. Now it's Austin Eckler and two and you funnel Tyrod Taylor, even Tyrod Taylor only throwing for 
3,500 yards, maybe 3,000 yards and 20 touchdowns, similar to Josh Allen. It's all funneled to two and three people as opposed to three and four. Yes, Keenan Allen was already undervalued, and now it's even more so. And I still think Hunter Henry is undervalued at tight end. Uh, Tyrell, the gazelle, Williams, has a torn labrum. He's going to try to play through it. Uh, Good news for your boy, Ruggs, and I guess Brian Edwards. We kind of keep keep coming back to this. Like I was kind of like dismissive of it when it first began, but it's not like he's going in the seventh round or something. You still get this guy like the 15th. Yes, and that's the good thing about it. Actually, Ruggs essentially is going cheaper than what his cost should be for a number one wide receiver. And they're both rookies. And, of course, that's concerning to have two rookies being your top two options. But I actually just did an article at The Athletic where the beat writer for the Raiders went through my projections, gave his input, and we went back and forth a little bit. And, you know, I talked about this receiving core, and before the news even came out, he initially was like, oh, you're a little bit too high on Brian Edwards. And this news came out, and he's like, oh, well, maybe not anymore. And his was more injury-based, but – he thought Brian Edwards was going to take over. It was just going to take a few weeks because we saw Tyrell Williams still had ability left in his body last year before he got hurt. He was actually on a really nice pace at the beginning of the season. Uh, and that was his point. It was going to take a little bit of time. But now, I mean, who would anybody be shocked that Tyrell Williams just doesn't even play this season? I mean, to play through a torn labrum, that I don't think he's going to be much of a factor. It kind of gives a little bit of a glimmer hope back to Hunter Renfro a little because they won't be able to play Hunter or Hunter. I get all these names, Henry Ruggs as much in the slot as they initially planned. If Tyrell was going to be a definitive starter. So I think it doesn't really move rugs. It really kind of moves Edwards a lot and moves Renfro back up a little bit. Deontay Johnson, everyone's favorite fantasy sleeper from like nine weeks ago, uh, then started getting overdrafted. He now he hasn't practiced the past six days. So, and Claypool's making headlines at practice. You still have your guy, James Washington. Eric Ebron is developing a connection with Ben Roethlisberger. This is just great news for Juju, right? (laughs) (laughs) I I really think it is. Uh, The Deontay Johnson news kind of put some hope back into James Washington that he still has something to offer this team a great deep threat uh, The chase Claypool news. Like he's a rookie. Uh, people thought he was miscast and should be moved to a tight end. The Steelers said that's not going to happen, which I agree with. You really shouldn't be, but at the same time, still a rookie, still a big body, uh, good with 50, 50 balls. I think of anything that Deontay Johnson kind of turns this more into the Seahawks of old before they got DK Metcalf, where it's just a mess. One week it's going to be Deontay Johnson. One week it's going to be Washington. One week it's going to play cool. Uh, Switzer, <laughs> is he still even on the team? It's just going to be like, go get Juju Smith-Schuster. Enjoy Ben Roethlisberger being back at quarterback. Maybe even a couple shares of Eric Ebron, but the wide receivers are just going to be frustrating. One player that I haven't really heard anything about throughout the course of draft season. These are kind of my favorite guys to go target because their ADP was once pretty high and they just start slipping Do no fault of their own. They just that they're either unsexy players. They're in a bad situation. And this kind of goes hand in hand with this, but I'm kind of talking myself into Devin Singletary as a good pick. Cause he was going like the third round to start. Then it was in the fourth. Then it was in the fifth. He's dropped like the seventh or eighth round in a lot of things. Everyone <laughs> wants Zach Moss. Everyone wants everyone, all these other players, but like Singletary is still the guy in Buffalo, if he can work on his receiving game, I think he might just be a great like mid-round pick. And I rarely say that because I think all mid-round picks are kind of shitty to begin with. <laughs> but he's just someone who keeps slipping, and I don't understand. I get the case of why he's slipping. It's going to be overall touchdowns. But I think the touches themselves are going to be there for him. Mm, see, that's the concern that people have, and that's what's starting. So the, the beat writer for The Athletic is saying that the touches actually could even skew to Moss if, to what you're talking about, doesn't happen. Like, 
people make assumptions when they see certain types of players. And one of the assumptions with Singletary, given his size and his elusiveness, because he is elusive, is that he's great in the passing game. He actually really is it. He's kind of mid-level. He's an average receiving running back. And he does need to improve to hold off Moss and keep that share where he's the lead. And I think that's a concern. Like, I'm not even the biggest Moss guy. But Moss does bring better power, does bring better touchdown upside, and does bring better first, second, short yardage, that type of work. If Singletary doesn't improve in the passing game, if Singletary falters for a few weeks, I think that's the biggest concern is that we could get to week five and all of a sudden this is 60-40 Moss. I'm with you that Singletary has now fallen so far that the risk is cooked into his price and he's all upside at that point. But I understand why people have pushed him down. I think he's gone too far. As, as you said, though, like if he's in the seventh round, I'm going to have a lot of Singletary. I just wasn't taking him in like the fifth, early sixth. No, I, and I completely understand that case, but like the case was that, you know, maybe this is where he should have been going the entire time. I'm just looking at the NFC drafts from the past week and he's going at ADP 72. That's like the same mm-hmm. as Tariq Cohen. That's running back number 32. <laughs> See, but I think the question now is what people have is, would you rather take him or Kareem Hunt when you know what Kareem Hunt's role is if Devin Singletary gets kicked into the Kareem Hunt role, but he has but, less upside. But Kareem Hunt's going like 20 picks before him now. Like Kareem Hunt, the balloon I, is just going. <laughs> I know, I know. But I'm trying to, I'm giving you the reason why he's fallen that far. Like, do you take Singletary or do you take Ronald Jones with the helium there, going with the Buccaneers? Uh, it, it hasn't quite gotten there yet, but I mean, we're pretty firm in the, like, is the move now just to take uh, Keyshawn Vaughn because no one wants him anymore no. and that we don't know what the thing is, or is Ronald Jones legitimate? Ronald Jones is legitimate, and if he's not, there's still Darian Gumbawale, the goon, your guy. There's still LaShawn McCoy. Uh, all the reports from all the beat writers, including like the athletic, like everybody is saying the same thing about Vaughn is don't expect to see a lot of them. And if you do, it's probably going to be special teams. Uh, would you go Ronald Jones or Kareem Hunt? Mm, I would go Ronald Jones. Would you go Ronald Jones or Raheem Mostert? Colonel Mostert. Oh, I would go Mostert. It's not even close to me. Uh, I see. I would take Ronald Jones. I, I'm not a believer in that San Francisco backfield this year. You like... You want to talk about, yes, Drake could be up and down, but at least I know that if he's healthy, he's going to play like with Moss. No, here's here's my counter. I, I completely look. I don't trust Shanahan. I say that every year. I don't trust Shanahan one iota. However, here's what I'm going to say. If Ronald Jones is the starter for 15, like it just always include like a game where they get banged up or something like that. We'll say if Ronald Jones started for 15 games, and Mostert is a starter for 15 games. Huge question mark if Mostert is. But there's a big question mark if Ronald Jones is. There's a big question mark if Ronald Jones is the quote-unquote starter if that only means 12 touches a game. But let's just say they're both starters for 15 games. Mostert for 15 games is the starter for the 49ers is an RB1. Ronald Jones as a starter for 15 games for the Buccaneers, still probably an RB2. Yeah, I think we're looking at best-case scenario here. I think that if one of them right. were to start for the 15 games, it would probably be Ronald Jones and not Mostert. Uh, see, and I don't know that there's a big difference between the two because it comes down to talent and frustration in that backfield already with a coach that we also can't, we actually can't even trust Arians as much as Shanahan because Arians just straight out lies. <laughs> he always says like, this is going to be my guy. He looks so great. And then week one comes around and that guy's getting three snaps. Cam Akers is moving up the board with this Daryl Henderson yeah. news that puts Malcolm Brown back on the board and someone else who I'm not thinking of that we potentially used to like. Who, who is that guy? For the Rams? Yeah, they, there's there's one more guy. Now I completely spaced on who it was. <laughs> I'm trying to think of somebody we used to like. See, you, 
Um, I'm looking. I'm going scrolling through my rankings. I'm trying to think of who it is. Yeah, it's no. Oh, John Kelly. Yeah, that's the guy. Remember John Kelly? Because I never used to like John Kelly. So he's back on the board. So the injury no. to Henderson, I don't know how significant it's going to be, but he's going to be way behind the eight ball. How high should week one. How high should Acres be going at this point then? I now have Acres as a fringe RB two, right alongside David Montgomery, Melvin Gordon, Jonathan Taylor, and stuff like that. Is because. I still am concerned. Like, so that's it. I got pushed back on that. It was like, how do you not have acres higher? And I said, well, he's questioned. That's Daryl Henderson is questionable for week one. If Henderson's out there. Yes. Now he's missing the final two weeks of preseason, but Henderson's still a great talent, especially in the passing game. I think if Henderson is healthy, he's going to be involved. And that's my concern. And I think Malcolm Brown, as much as I don't like Malcolm Brown, and I think people have rose colored glasses with remembering that he basically had like one great game. And everybody just remembers the touchdowns when he went off and that one game early in the season is I think he's going to get a few touches per game. If you told me that Daryl Henderson was out for a few weeks and now acres has a chance to really solidify himself. Like if we said Daryl Henderson's not going to be back until October, I'd move cam acres higher and it's probably inside the top 20, but the fact that Henderson could return for week one, I, I don't think he's completely lost his job and his factor there. So that, that's what it comes down to is I think this backfield is still going to be a few more split touches than it used to be with Todd Gurley. So if you're doing drafts now, not knowing that information, like people just aren't drafting Henderson anymore. Do you take him in the later rounds? I would still take, yeah, I certainly would. I think that Henderson could essentially be what like a James White type of role. And just, hey, like RB3 and a half and full point PPR. Okay, I can see that. Uh, Washington situation. Uh, we went over this last show. We still don't have it. Bryce Love, brother Love, is getting <laughs> some more run right now in terms of the press, but Antonio Gibson's he's uh, just working out with the running backs. He's so good. I still think Adrian Peterson is going to lead this team in <laughs> fantasy points. <laughs> I, I will, uh, I'll take that bet. You know what? I'll, I'll take he doesn't. I, I know that's not really fair because I'm taking two versus one. But I just I don't think he is at this point. I think the the team is the the footballs, as you love to call them. I think they're praying and hoping somebody makes Adrian Peterson just let's look let's show McCoy of last year. Not that he'll be inactive, but just kick to the side because he's just sluggish at this point. Frank Gore, that's a good comparison. So uh, we talked about it, as you said, on the last show is I'll bring it up again in case people missed it. But Bryce Love, before he got hurt at Stanford, was considered a first round talent for the NFL draft. Whether or not he went there, it probably would have been second round at worst. So you're thinking Jonathan Taylor conversation, stuff like that. And now not the same style of running back, but if Bryce Love can show that he's even half, no, no, that's not fair. 90% of the running back that he was before the injury at Stanford. I think he does lead this backfield, but Antonio Gibson's going to be sprinkled in enough uh, that it'll be a factor for him to be involved where now you're looking at a true committee. Uh, if I'm taking anybody as of today, I'd probably lean towards love. But the good thing is you can get both of them because love is still going. I just put, what is it? What is the NFC ADP? I think he's still like undrafted as today for his ADP. Bryce love uh, running back number 57 over the last week, as high as 92, as low as 285. Yeah. So, but 57, most that's running backs outside that are kind of like, or in that range are usually undrafted. So running back, running running backs in that range, for example, um, let's say 50 to 60, Sony, Michelle, AJ Dillon, Naheem Hines, Justin Jackson, Adrian Peterson, Deandre Washington, Joshua Kelly, Bryce Love, Anthony McFarlane, Carlos Hyde, and D and Jarek McKinnon. Uh, Raquel Armstead's going down there too. I'm still thinking besides, 
if Fournette goes down, it's not going to be Chris Thompson handling the ball 20 times. No, again. Chris Thompson's keeping his role no matter what happens. Yeah, like, it, it's going to be Armstead. And it does look like Benny Snell is going to be the guy, not Anthony McFerlin. Those are the latest reports out of Pittsburgh camp right now as the handle. Yeah, Benny Connor. Snell cut some weight. Best Good. shape ever. Best shape of his life. Well, if he's going to uh, be, I mean, the guy that really sticks out from that list, like I wouldn't just say, you know what? I don't need you, Joshua Kelly. I don't need you, Price Love. Give me DeAndre Washington in Kansas City. If he's going to be the primary backup that to, was, Edward, to Edward Solaire, just take him. <laughs> I was going to say the one name, one. So I would take Bryce Love in front of all those guys for the upside, except for one is what I was going to say. It'd be DeAndre Washington. And I'm willing to be wrong in the fact that DeAndre Washington's not the guy, but we've seen DeAndre Washington be the guy when Josh Jacobs got hurt. If he is the guy, which would be the assumption, they signed him, they brought him in. We've seen him perform well when Jacobs was out. Daryl Williams was not really a thing when he got his opportunity. Darwin Thompson's better just served as kind of almost a Chris Thompson role. Just let him do some work in the passing game. Uh, DeAndre Washington, if you told me he was getting 15 to 20 touches, I guess I've said this before, Pat. Running back blank getting 15 to 20 touches in the Kansas City offense every single week, you're going to say he's a RB1. Um, when I did that draft that we went through uh, a few weeks ago and everyone just kind of mocked my team, people aren't mocking it so much anymore, Jake. Damian Harris <laughs> looks like he could be a low-end running back too, which is all I need him to be for me to be successful Damian, this year. But he, he's moving up the board. Damian Harris, pure talent-wise, two things. One is, speaking of Josh Jacobs, people started questioning Josh Jacobs of who the redder running back was for Damian Harris back in school. And then the second part was Damian Harris last year in the NFL draft, people saw him get picked and went, uh-oh, that's bad news for Sony Michelle. Damian Harris struggled with his own injuries last year, never got off the right foot, never really got his reps because the season had started. And Bill Belichick was like, hey, you know, everything's going fine. I don't need to mess my time with you. You didn't prove anything yet, so screw you. Uh, and now Damian Harris is in the mix because Sony Michelle, that knee – I, mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Michelle doesn't even get 100 carries this year. I mean, I would still put the bet on him doing so at some point if he's 80% for the entire season. But if Damon Harris leads this backfield, he's somebody that I have a lot of teams. You, you have him so far. I, the fun thing is, is like all these guys we're talking about, and this isn't like look at us. This isn't a victory lap. This is why you draft these kind of things if you're drafting early. Draft the Damian Harris's, the DeAndre Washington's, the Bryce Loves, even Antonio Gibson at the time. Uh, you could throw it. I'm trying. I'm scrolling down like the Darrington Evans guys that after August is over that could shoot up boards because of one camp news or other injuries. And that's why you build that running back depth if you're an early drafter. What do we do with Antonio Gibson's position eligibility in some formats? Because in some formats, he's just a wide receiver <laughs> that he's going to open up the running back eligibility pretty quickly off the top of the year. Right. He's, he's going as high as 84 in some drafts right now. Is that too high or is that about where you would want to take him? That's a little bit too high for me, mostly because I do believe in Bryce Love. And I do believe what you said. I do believe Antonio, or Adrian Peterson's a factor. Like, I don't think that Antonio Gibson is ever going to be 18 plus touches the bell cow of this backfield that's also not how he's built you want a good comparison of what your best case scenario is is the best version we ever saw of ty montgomery now that best version rb2 and rb2 a lot of weeks like you could say that antonio gibson getting 12 to 16 touches every single week is going to be a nice rb2 for you some weeks will be rb1 some weeks will be frustrating to rb4 that's best case but that's also best case without adrian peterson being a factor and without bryce love or at least one of them getting kicked aside uh, so i think the other reason i bring that up is because ty montgomery started that whole mess of like is he a running back or is he a wide receiver let's just list him at both let's give him that running back eligibility 
Best ball league should pay attention to that. I actually drafted, overdrafted at the time Antonio Gibson by an extra round because I was watching the ADP and where the draft was going. I took him around ahead in best balls because I was like, hey, guess what? I've got somebody who could plug in at running back or wide receiver in a best ball format. That's kind of overlooked. Yeah, I completely agree. But you're going to need to know your settings going into the league right. before you do that. I mean, you should always know what your settings are, but that's one that people may not pay attention to. And it's a very intriguing one, especially for best ball. And in your regular leagues too, you're essentially getting both on your bench for the upside and people don't realize that. It uh, basically just see if he's eligible at wide receiver because that means at some point he's going to have running back eligibility too. Yeah, that's a good call. Uh, AJ Green returned to practice with his hamstring injury, although Auden Tate has been the standout of Bengals camp. <laughs> what do you do with AJ Green? I still have him. Uh, I'm looking right now. I have him wide receiver 26. Actually back to back with Tyler Boyd. And you know, I think that's a fair spot to put it because there's so many questions with AJ Green. I actually just talked about it on the podcast, mine that I recorded today. Uh, it's not out yet, uh, but AJ Green is like, what do we know he is? We don't. Like, if we knew he was 100% top 10 wide receiver talent, because that's AJ Green, we can assume that he's not that anymore, but 90%. So now is he top 25 wide receiver with a rookie quarterback with a different offense that he was in when he was actually what that being AJ green, when he was playing this offense is a little different. Now uh, Tyler Boyd proved that he can be good with or without AJ green. I think this is a fair spot to have him because around Tyler Boyd is AJ green might still have top 15 upside. And at this point where he's going in this conversation, I have is like another guy, T.Y. Hilton, what's his injury status? Can he play the entire season? Like the Edelmans, the Diggs, the Metcalfs. They, like, I think that's a fair spot to put him in. If you don't want him, you don't have to take him. Uh, any other injury news that kind of piqued your interest that maybe people aren't really paying attention to but might have a more severe impact than you may think? Uh, I think I'm looking at what we talked about on my show. That's, that's all the ones we talked about because – yeah, Van Jefferson, that's just playing. That has no injury related to it. I guess the only other, if, I don't know. I don't know if this even really counts, but it's injury. If an injury were to happen, the Mike Davis looks better than Bonifon like, because we're so like, could you imagine a running back stepping in for Christian McCaffrey? Like we did the Mike Davis thing with the Bears, and I think there's some upside there, but like the Christian McCaffrey is like, that's not a handcuff. Like, you're you're lucky if you even get 60% of what Christian McCaffrey is if he goes down. Yeah, that's true. I, I think they're like Mike Davis or even Bonifon, whoever it might end up being, is on tier two of the running back handcuffs. Although I think that someone like Benny Snell would vault himself up into like the bottom of tier one of the running back handcuffs to take late behind Murray behind Madison, behind Edmonds, behind Pollard, behind. Yeah, I think those are the big four. Well, I, I would say Washington too. Like just because that the upside in that situation is so high that just gambling that he is the guy. Oh, here's Jordan. the thing. If he, but but here's the if he was the guy. Like if we knew that definitively. Like if we said we found out today, Andy Reid was like, I'm telling you, a hundred percent, no lies. He's the guy. If Clyde Edwards-Helaire gets hurt. He'd be on a tier by his own. Like it would be him and then the other four. You know, I, I agree with you, but I think that the reason that we, that I would say to include him on that tier because that potential exists and just that potential existing okay. would vault him into that tier. Like that, that's, that's I, worth I gambling that. on over Bryce Love, put it that way. That, and that's fair. So that would be my takeaway from the situation. I'm also kind of talking myself into your guy, Gardner Minshew, Minshew Walk. <laughs> I, I had a conversation with Will Brinson on CBS uh, earlier today. I guess not when people were watching this, when we actually record this, but I think he scores more fantasy points than Brady does. Ooh. 
I'll take that bet too. Yeah, of course. You have to give me odds on that because I can go bet that myself and get odds on that. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm looking right now. How about what do I have to give you odds or can I give you uh you can finishes? give me a spread. You can give me a, a spread if you like <laughs> a spread on points. Like you give me, I know. Um, let's see. I'm looking right now. I'm, I'm seeing. So I have Tom Brady projected for 308 points. And I, well, no, see, that's the thing is I like Minshew too much. I have him at 294. The spread's only 14 points. I just think with the running that he gets there, if Brady doesn't have like the top end season that everyone is projecting for him, that Minshew is just going to, he's going to Blake Bortles garbage time it and he's going to run. It's going to be great. Well, and that's the big thing is he's going to run. People don't realize, I think I mentioned this on your show. And if I didn't, just a reminder for everybody, just when you're scouting college quarterbacks, is sometimes you don't realize how much they run because college rushing stats include sacks. They include the lost yardage. So sometimes people like Minshew get glossed over for the fact that they do have rushing upside. Uh, David Njoku is dealing with a wrist injury. Would this bump up Hoop Hooperton in your, in your mind I already, at all? I was already high on Hooper, uh, mainly because – so I have Hooper as tight end number seven, right behind Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst Helmsley for you or Hunter Hurst. Helmsley. We got both of them uh, really because Austin Hooper is the number three in the passing game. And some people want to argue that Kareem Hunt thing we were talking about before. Let's just say receivers. Uh, I joked about it uh, before. Uh, it was a tweet by um, who was it? Uh, Warren Sharp. And he was talking about the fact that Baker Mayfield was one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL running 11 sets. One of the best running 12. Well, what does Stefanski do? He loves two tight ends, and whether it's in Joker or anybody else, the second tight end is going to be involved, but Hooper is the pass-catching option. He is essentially the number three in the passing game. Stop trying to figure out if it's going to be Rashad Higgins or whoever else it will be. Like the Peoples-Jones is a rookie that really can't separate despite his athleticism. It's Austin Hooper. Like Everybody's hating on Austin Hooper, and what I think I just told you this the last podcast. Correct me if I'm wrong, Pat, but I said give Austin Hooper – his stats when he was with the Falcons over 16 games. He did it in 13. I just want that over 16, not even 13. And I think that's a fair spot to put him. And that puts him right where he is at about tight end number seven. It's funny. I don't want tight ends three through 14 on my team this year, just with the way that I've been drafting. Like I want Kelsey, I want Kittle, and then I'll just wait and take one of these guys at the back. That just seems you don't to be want just- Mark Andrews. Not where you have to draft. Like, it's not that I don't want okay. these guys, just where you have to draft them. Draft cost. Just not for me. I think I think Hayden Hurst cost is still way too good. I have a lot of Hayden Hurst. And Austin, Hoop, Austin Hooper's falling. What, what is his ADP right now on NFC? Like, it's got to be like tight end 10. Let's see. Tight end. Hooper. Tight end 13. Pick number 127. That, that's fair, actually. That's ridiculously low. I'll I'll have all give me all of the Hooper at that price. People are still drafting Tyler Higby like he's going to be awesome. And look, there's the, the only uncertain. Well, the only question is, is he the guy or is Gerald ever going to get mixed back in? That's really what the concern. If Tyler Higby was the guy, he would s- definitively probably be the fifth tight end off the board. Todd Fast sixth. People might still take Darren Waller. Uh, I, I like Darren Waller a lot, actually, but you have to expect some natural regression with so many more options being on the field for the Raiders well, this year. So it's not, it's go- not it's not just him. And, like, how many 13 target games do you think Waller is going to get this year? No, and, well, it's not even the regression, but I think he'll do a little bit better in the touchdown department. What it comes down to is to go back to the conversation before about Tyrell Williams is it really comes down to Hunter Renfro. 
Hunter Renfro was the Waller killer. And I think that if Renfro is kicked aside because they're using rugs in the slot, that's good for Waller. If Renfro's involved a lot, that's concerning for, I mean, you can go look at it with and without Renfro. That's what really hurt him in the second half. Dirk Cutter in Atlanta says that he would expect a minimum of 15 touches a week <laughs> for Todd Gurley. I would expect more than that. Like when I built in my projection that I'd say he's probably around 20, maybe a bit more depending on the week. Uh, if they're up in games, just try to run it into the ground. Is he going to be like, because he started to get some buzz as we've gotten closer to the season. Like, oh, he's, he can walk. Who knew? Kind of thing. Like <laughs> That's all people really wanted to see. But I, I think that he's a fringy running back one. I really do in this offense. I think that if we knew. So I have him for about 17 touches a game. And even about 17 touches per game. If those were just 17 but 16 games, his ranking at RB17 for me would be too low. Uh, like, we know this backfield is his, and we know if anything were to happen, it's just a mess, and that's why. It's a mess behind him with Kadri Olsen, Ito Smith, and Brian Hill. It seems every other person has an opinion on who's the best option between the three of them, including the team. Uh, so what it comes down to is if Gurley can play the entire season. If Gurley can play the entire season, the 15 to 25, I think, is what you'll expect week to week. One week, it might just be lean on Gurley because they're doing really well in the run game, and they're up. And another week, it might be they pass a little bit more. Let's keep them fresh for the entire year, and it's 15. But if it's 15 minimum, if that's his floor, Todd Gurley, essentially, in this offense, should be top 12, if not better. I'm looking at it right now where the ADPs are going. Todd Gurley, pick number 35, the 19th running back coming off the board. Your guy, Chris Carson, number 20, the 36th pick off the board. So there's a scenario. I think having the number one pick is obviously where you want to pick from. I think that's a bit more pronounced this year than in most years. But if not, having the 12th pick in a 12-team league, you could theoretically go Devontae Adams, Travis Kelsey, and go Gurley Carson with your next two picks. Like That's an awesome team to start with. It's funny. I feel like somebody just asked me that recently. And I said, you know, it really comes down to who did it, I don't know if he said the Kelsey thing, but it was wide receiver or wide receiver or something like that. It might have even been take Lamar Jackson. Uh, what it comes down to is I love that pairing because if they're healthy, which is the question, and that's a lot of risk to put at your running back situation. Let's be real. We're not, not going to lie about it, but if they both play 15, 16 games, you're talking about two RB ones with already, a potential best tight end, best wide receiver situation. And yeah, that's going to be league winner right there, but you're just putting a lot of weight into staying healthy. Yeah. But you're doing that with anyone you know, that if someone gets hurt, they're not going to be any good. And I know that these not guys present, that I know not that these guys history. present, yeah, but I know that these guys present a higher injury risk than that, but you're also getting the third and fourth round potentially. Now, if you run that strategy and try to do that, those guys could go earlier and then it's no good anymore. But like I had a lot of success <laughs> and won leagues last year with a very similar start where it'd be Michael Thomas and Travis Kelsey. And then I would get Jacobs and Chris Carson. And those guys were fine. They weren't the best running backs in the world, but they were fringe running back ones every week that they played. And then you have to pick someone up or you have to get lucky later with someone. But I don't hate that start if you pick from the 12 spot. Now, maybe you don't want to go. Maybe you don't think that both those guys are going to get to you or you now Le'Veon Bell is still going in that range. I like him less than those two guys, but I think that he's close enough to them with the workload that he gets that if you have the 12 pick, you could go Devonte Adams and Clyde Edwards Hilaire potentially at the turn I mean, and, and then go then, then you could go Carson or Gurley and then take another receiver. You could take Terry McLaurin right there if you wanted to. 
And I would feel more comfortable with that. I was going to throw out other running backs. I mean, we can make a case for a lot of guys here. You could say David Johnson. And no, he's pass. what he see. But here's uh, here's the case for him. If like Gurley, he's anything close to what he was and healthy. You know, the, the, the one thing I will say about it is we know Bill O'Brien is going to try to make David Johnson a thing. If David Johnson is out there 90 percent every single week, and I mean, 90 percent, not what it used to be, but 90 percent healthy. Bill O'Brien's still going to feed him and feed him and feed him to make sure that happens because of the trade, because he's going to wants to, he wants to be right. So that's the scenario for David Johnson, Leonard Fournette, all the hate we talk about Chris Thompson taking up the passing game work. Well, what if Leonard Fournette still runs and does end up running for 12 or 1300 yards? I have have Leonard Fournette inside my top 10 at running back. Like, no, I know. I'm saying, but in the ADP, this is where he's going. Yeah, People I mean, I, I didn't, th- I, I didn't think he would make it that far, but I would most definitely, yeah. If you want to throw him into that mix, you have Fournette, Gurley, Carson, and Bell between those four guys. James two, Connor too. Connor's going ahead of that now by the ADP. Okay, yeah, so he's going at pick like 27, 28 now. People are in on James Connor, which they should be, but he's just no longer going to be feasible in that range. He's better off in the like other turn if you go one, one. 16 17 like that's where you would have to take him i think if uh if you were in the seventh round and you had one running back because you got kelsey and four wide receivers i, I, I just did that in that draft in uh, in your flex league would you would, would you take mark ingram no god no i take dobbins instead <laughs> okay dobbins is going at pick seven he's actually going ahead of that now <laughs> oh god stop that's what, I'm just telling you where he's going. You know, I, no, I've, I know. I, I've kind of talked myself into that Philip Lindsay is going to outscore Melvin Gordon this year. So I'm just going to draft Philip Lindsay in like the eighth or ninth round in every league. I do have a lot of Philip Lindsay. I, I don't understand. We, we talked about this already, though. I don't understand the hate for Philip Lindsay. It's because Melvin, the only reason is that Melvin Gordon is there. That's why people hate Philip Lindsay. But even so, like, what? Why are we pretending like Austin Eckler wasn't a thing? Well, I'll say we, as in you and me. But what, like, Austin Eckler was still what was he? I think when Melvin Gordon finally was back to 100 percent and really leading that backfield last year. Off the top of my head, I was going to say Austin Eckler was like RB 15 or 16 the rest of the way. Like he was, but I, like the- I think that the utilization with Philip Rivers as your quarterback, getting these dump offs and like basically penciling in seven targets a game, you can't necessarily make that case for Lindsay this year versus what no. you could for Eckler and Melvin Gordon last year. And that's but you can a, but make that's, the case that, that, that's RB3. a huge yeah, but that sure I, I agree with you that he could be an RB three. You get Philip Lindsay at pick ninety, that's fantastic, right? But exactly. Melvin Gordon right now is going as running back number seventeen, as high as eight. Teeth overall off the board. No. That seems no. asinine. I have. I will continue to have zero shares at Melvin Gordon at that price. Like that's a, but that's one spot behind Jonathan Taylor, one spot ahead of Leonard Fournette, ahead of Todd Gurley, ahead of Chris Carson, ahead of Le'Veon Bell. Like that. That's nuts. That's that's pure insanity. And why are we pretending that like all of a sudden Melvin Gordon doesn't have the same concern Melvin Gordon's always had is this what like why is he inefficient between the tackles? He should be better. And this offensive line is not exactly I mean, it's not terrible, but it's not glowing either. It's not like world beating it's not the Dallas Cowboys offensive line, which I don't even know if the Cowboys are like top five anymore. Yeah, there's just one problem with Melvin Gordon. He's not any good. It's tough. It's <laughs> tough to finger overcome. Finger paintings suck. Yeah, it's tough to overcome. <laughs> yeah anything else on the docket uh, i think that's 
I think that's really about it. You don't want to talk about Daniel Jones and his arm looking spectacular and powerful and all that stuff. I still like that. <laughs> Listen, I like Daniel Jones drafting Daniel Jones, him and him and Minchu walk great late round flyers. Yeah. People are scared about Daniel Jones because of the schedule though, which I, I do get that a little bit, but this is what we do every single year is schedules. You know, we overrate them. If you want to talk about facing passing games specifically for wide receivers versus corners, running backs versus a stout defensive line, that's fine, but we do this every single year where we worry about defenses, and then by week five, they're like one of the best exploitable matchups you can find. Um, yeah, and especially like year-to-year defenses tend to be far more volatile than offenses on a consistency basis. But at the same time, we're also dealing with this weird COVID situation. No, like there's training camp, but no preseason. I don't know how that's going to affect defense versus offense, offense versus defense. That if there's ever a year, just kind of throw everything out and be like, yeah, let's just not look at strength of schedule. Maybe teams are think that we think are bad. Turns out they're really good and vice versa. That I think more so this year than ever, that's going to happen. Yeah. And uh, I think that really goes for drafting defenses too. Like just take two at the end of the draft if nothing else is really peaking, especially if you're doing what we're doing. And adding an additional two rounds, you know, take the two defenses or just aim for the one that looks like it's got a great schedule for the first two weeks and figure it out later. Yeah. Um, who's playing Washington week one? <laughs> uh, unfortunately, the Bills have one of the best first two weeks and the Bills are already top 10. All right. So take Colts. They're playing the Jags. Easy, that's, easy, that, easy that, game. That, at that could be a smart move. Yeah. There you go. Just who, who, who do you project to be like the three worst teams in the league and just take the defense that's playing them? Uh, and there you go. <laughs> Smart move. It's like, like they, and if you're doing an auction, throw them out for two bucks and just make sure you get them. Yeah. Uh, any news? Brendan Ayuk has a mild hamstring strain. You scared? Mm, not yet, but I think this kind of brings him down to a reasonable cost because if Debo Samuel is still back, even by the end of September, it's, what do you know about this offense? It's a run-heavy offense. George Kittle is the number one. If Debo Samuel comes back, it's not like I use, this is kind of goes to the Bills after John Brown. Like, do we care that much about Cole Beasley now that Stefan Diggs is there? No, yes. unfortunately we don't. I, I, I do. I, I I do. I care about Cole. Really? Beasley. I do. Yeah, of course. I, I, there's no way I don't drive Cole Beasley. Uh, he's like low, he's like low rent Jamison Crowder. The guy's gonna get his six targets a game always. He just finds and he's way. not he's, going to this year. He's always open. He's not going to even be on the field. He'll be open on the sidelines. They're great. Josh Allen doesn't know the difference. Those count as targets, <laughs> sir. By the way, kudos to Pat Thorman for one of the funniest tweets I saw when they when he said that the uh, what do you say the false or the inaccurate COVID test for Josh Allen was a little on the nose. <laughs> uh, Jack Doyle has um, been. I, I was going to say Jack Doyle has been sidelined with a neck injury again. They have Trey Burton now. Is this finally the year that Trey Burton happens? I don't, well, is Trey Burton even healthy? I, he's practicing. really quiet. I mean, well, it's been quiet on like what he's actually out there because even the healthy Trey Burton for that brief time didn't look that, I mean, he looked hurt playing. Uh, so I don't know. I, I guess that's intriguing. I would say, yes, if we knew that Trey Burton was okay and Jack Coyle was out, I think that would become intriguing in that offense. But to go back through real quick to finish the answer on Ayuk, uh, I'm, I'm intrigued, but it's uh, mainly I'm intrigued if Debo Samuel's injury lingers and it's kind of Trent Taylor from last year. And all of a sudden he's missing more than four weeks or they try to force him back and he aggravates and now he's out for the year. Because what I was going to say is once Debo Samuel is back, Ayuk's getting kicked the third in the passing game of a running offense. And I just don't know how much is left over after you say Kittle and Debo. Yeah. I, I think that even if 
he was healthy that you shouldn't draft him anyway. I just don't think he's going to have any fantasy value. I mean, it might be Kendrick Bourne. who just saw red zone target after red zone target after red zone target. And if he's the number two, there you go. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Uh, how about some GM speak for you? Raiders GM Mike Mayock said Nelson Aguilar is, quote, on a mission. Oh, move over, Brian Edwards. We have Hans McGee, Nelson Aguilar on the team now. <laughs> Uh, so that article I was talking about with the Raiders or the guy, the beat writer went through, uh, my article <laughs> to Sean Reed, by the way, uh, he actually said too low on Nelson Aguilar. And I was like, dude, I will happily be wrong. I will eat crow, whatever you want me to say. Like, I don't think Nelson Aguilar is a factor at all. Like, Hey, what if he catches 25 balls this year, we consider that a success. Like, seriously, like stop with Nelson Aguilar. All right. Jake Seeley, check out his rankings up at theathletic.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Kid And Jake, tell everyone where they can download your podcast and what we have coming out on Mayo Media Network for the season. No, I'm supposed to tell you what we have coming up on Mayo Media Network? Is that what you were saying? Yeah, I mean, like, you're going to be on the show every week. Yeah, I'll be on the show every Tuesday. We do your rankings. It's always fun, and it helps me kind of like overthink mine. <laughs> I say overthink because you always bring up good points, and you make me second guess myself. Uh, my own rankings that come out at midnight on Tuesdays. But yes, all in sports. I did Eric, or did, <laughs> I had Eric Moody on the podcast this week. Uh, you can find it Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, all like all the places you can find yours. You can find mine and, you know, do the same thing that you asked him to do. Go give me five stars and make up for that one star that got really mad that Chris Meany wasn't on it anymore. But I appreciate the fact that he's mad that knows there's no more Chris Meany. Yeah, not your fault. Chris went to fade the noise. I mean, the athletic let him go. Popped up at fade the noise. Everyone should follow Chris Meany. Good friend of mine, Chris Meany. Yes. Smart guy. And rocking rockin woodsy beard, I must say. Well, he lives in the wilderness now. He moved. <laughs> I know my- I saw the picture of his house and was like, dude, like who's the next closest person 10 miles away from you? Yeah. It's sometimes you just want to be in the wilderness by yourself. It's very quiet. I, I'm kind of envious. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Follow Chris on Twitter at Chris media. Remember, subscribe to the Mayo media network. We're going to have a full gamut of football shows. Basically starting now, we got win totals next week. Uh, we're going to have all of the rankings like for week one coming very soon. And then the entire week starts happening. Golf's not going anywhere. UFC's not going anywhere. Might even add some Kentucky Derby. We might add some US Open Dennis. We're going to have so much content for you. Just click on it and subscribe to the network. We get to 6K. We're doing giveaways. We give to 10K. We're giving cash giveaways. So please share it around. Tell some friends and like all the episodes that go up there. Thank you all for watching. I'm Pat Mayo. You can find my rankings updated in the description of this video and podcast and up on dkplaybook.com if that's just the long route you want to go do it. So I suggest you go check those out as well. I'll see you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. 
the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.